This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentler, episode 346. Maintain's presence as a coach means that we can demonstrate confidence in working with strong client emotions during the coaching process. The reality is when we coach human beings, emotions are likely to be a part of the picture. How do we deal with that? How do we manage our own emotions in the face of strong client emotions? And ultimately, how do we help move a client forward? Those are the topics of today's show when I meet with Cedric Bertelli, a recognized expert in emotional resolution. We're going to be talking about what is emotional resolution? How can we as coaches potentially use that tool to help clients overcome disruptive emotional patterns that get in the way of them moving in the direction that they want? That's what we're focused on today. Join us. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It's fantastic to have you here and I hope you're having a wonderful day. Coaching, as with many professions and and life in general, evolves and grows over time. And how coaching engages with emotions is one of those things that's evolved even in the 15 years that I have been in the field of coaching. It is represented in our core competencies. The reality is when we coach human beings, they're going to have emotions. And yet I hear pretty consistently in the classes that I teach, in the coaches that I mentor, I don't know how to deal with emotions. I don't want to go there. I'm uncomfortable with that. Or isn't that what therapists do and not what coaches do? And I definitely want us to honor the line between therapy and coaching. And yet having emotions is a very human thing. So as coaches learning to demonstrate confidence in working with those emotions is going to be beneficial for our clients and beneficial for ourselves. My guest today is Cedric Bertelli. He's a recognized expert in emotional resolution, MRES, a revolutionary approach to emotional healing that has been around long enough to be able to transform many, many lives. He's the founder and director of the Emotional Health Institute and has dedicated his career to helping people overcome stress, anxiety, depression, PTSD, and other negative emotions using powerful tools and techniques. And he's going to touch on that today on what we could do as a coach to honor the line, honor the boundary, and yet meet our clients where they're at and help them step through their emotional upheaval in a session or how we can help them slay their dragons. So he points out everyone has emotional upheaval. 
And we, we talk about what neuroscience has added to this field to help us understand how emotions are made and how we can help resolve emotions. Now, what I loved about having Cedric on the show is that this is a potential tool for anyone who's interested in adding a tool to your toolkit to help you feel more confident and competent when an emotional upheaval arises, this is a possibility. And this show solidly fits under our skill development shows. So we've got shows around skills and client partnership. We've got shows around building a business and the foundations of business and marketing, etc. And we've got shows around coaching and organizations and leadership coaching. And all of those shows are incredibly helpful. I love leaning into the skill shows at times to really sharpen that saw and help us think about, is there something new that has come up since we've gone through training or, you know, something that's been developed that maybe we didn't know about? And that's why I'm excited to share about emotional resolution with you today. Cedric began his journey into emotional resolution in 2009 in his home country of France. Since then, he's really honed his expertise and developed a deep understanding of how emotions function in our human psyche. So he's taking his experience and bringing it forward for us to think about how we can be with emotion rather than trying to fix or rescue emotion. I was delighted to explore this concept with him and would be very interested in how it impacts you. So never hesitate to send me a note. And now that we've talked a little bit about what you can expect, let's go to my interview with Cedric Bertelli, and then we'll meet you on the other side. Cedric, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I'm delighted to have you here today. Hello, Meg. It's a pleasure to be here. We're looking forward to it. We've been talking about the importance of coaches being able to meet their clients where they are. And sometimes that's in a place of high emotion or emotion that are sort of blocking us from getting to where we want to be, to meet those goals. And while certainly there are some things that are very appropriate for therapy, emotions in and of themselves do not indicate that somebody should be going to therapy versus engaging with a coach. And so I would like to start in this place with all this great work that you do in you setting the stage for us in how are emotions made? Thank you for the question, because I think emotions are only uh, or mostly scary to others when we take them through like a Freudian lens. Like, but if we take the time to understand what an emotion is and trying to understand that all our emotions basically are made the same way and that we're all the same when it comes down to emotion with our own history, of course, we can approach emotion with another paradigm okay. and emotion become less scary. Okay, so we want emotions to become less scary. So what's the paradigm that we want to use instead? The paradigm is what neuroscience tells us about uh, emotional difficulty. 
where now, today, and it might change, of course, in the future, who knows. But today, from what we understand, I can tell you how an emotion is. And this is how it is. We understand that at the beginning of every single one of our disruptive emotional pattern, so our anxieties, our anger, our fear, in order for us to feel that in our life, at the beginning is always the same type of event. And this event is going to be referred as a traumatic event. Okay, so a traumatic now, event at the beginning of anything. That's right. At the beginning of any disruptive emotional pattern. Now, what is a traumatic event? A traumatic event is an instance that holds too much stress, physical or emotional, for us to take on at the instant when we live it. So something that can be uh, lived as a trauma by my daughter who is two years old is going to be nothing for me with 42 years old. Right. So, and a trauma can happen even in utero or at birth. I mean, the traumatic, the, the birth process can be traumatic both for the mom and for the child. And for the daddy it's, sometimes, yeah. And for the dad and for yeah. the dad as well. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. but, but to go back, at the beginning is an instance of trauma, meaning there's too much stress for us to take on. At that instant of trauma, there is a natural mechanism happening, which is a mechanism of dissociation. Basically, your prefrontal cortex is shutting down, so you don't suffer too much during this instant of trauma. It's a defensive mechanism. Now, a few numbers. Um, so the example is very clear. What you and I were aware of right now, consciously, is about 2,000 bits of information per second. And our conscious mind processes this at a speed of about 150 miles per hour. Now, at the same time, our subconscious mind gather was the ability to gather about 400 billion bits of information per second. So 2,000 conscious, 400 billion subconscious, and process data at a speed of about 150,000 miles per hour versus 150 for the conscious. Wow. So this is important because at the moment of dissociation of the trauma, the prefrontal cortex that is used as a funnel of information most of the time is shut down. From that very instant, the subconscious takes on all the information available through your five senses and the, the information available in your body as well, physical information. So you're gonna, the subconscious is going to gather uh, what you smell, what you hear, the temperature around you, any other information and the physical sensations happening in your body at this instant, but not in a linear, logical way. No, no, there's none of that. It's just like a vortex, open, gathering. It's like a woo, a flood of it. That's right. With a definition that is not understandable. It's impossible to realize what 400 billion bits of information is. Consciously, it's difficult. You know, it's like right. conceptually, we can have an idea, but even it's difficult to realize. Now, what's another thing we know about the brain is that the brain is an amazing machine to predict. Our brain constantly predicts based on past experiences. If we have to, if we had to react every time something happened in our life, we couldn't survive. Our brain constantly predicts. We can see that with food, for example. Uh, let's say I'm having my first, um, I don't know, strawberry when I'm five years old. Uh, I'm having a strawberry and I'm having a, a sensorial experience. I'm discovering something. The crunchiness, the, the juice, the taste. Mm, okay, I have this experience. Later on, a week after, two years after, 20 years after, when I'm about to put my next strawberry, a tra a strawberry in my mouth, my body is going to already predict the sensations that I'm about to feel based on what was felt during 
my previous experience. That's a prediction. We predict constantly. It's the same thing about emotion. When our body recognized in our current environment one or several elements that was present during one of our previous trauma, it is going to generate instantly the physical sensation that you're about to feel based on what was felt in your body during that very specific trauma. Right. These physical sensations, we call that interoception. That's what lets us know that we're having an emotion. When we're having an emotion, it's not in our head. We, we don't feel anxious in our head. No, no, no. We feel anxious in our body. Right. We know that we feel anxious or angry or whatever you want because of physical tension, physical sensations. This physical tension or sensation is just an outdated prediction from the brain. So if... The body, yep. So if, in fact, we have a client who had a very negative experience with their boss in their, they just, they were called into their boss's office. They were land blasted. They felt ashamed and mistreated. And the next time they get a call from their boss to ask them to come into the office or an email that says, I need to meet with you at such and such, all their body's going to get flooded with what happened the last time. Is that an yeah. accurate interpretation? That's very accurate. And I would say because we're complex beings as human beings, this one uh, interaction with the boss is going to create a lot of other disruptive emotions, maybe uh, shame, maybe self-doubt, if self-confidence might be down. So from that quote-unquote very stressful event, mm -hmm. and depending on my personality, that can be considered as a trauma, actually, especially if all the people in the room and I'm being uh, put down by my, by my boss, this one event is going to create all the emotional difficulties. Then with what we do with, with my work, with emotional resolution, we will uh, resolve each one of those emotional difficulties so that this type of, of situation is actually uh, not only a discharge of the emotional uh, pressure, but also all the other, what I will call a uh, uh, satellite emotions, such as the self-confidence and, and all mm -hmm. this that has been impacted by the same. Okay, so you bring up the fact that you work around emotional resolution. That's what your practice is. That's what you're known for. So share a little bit about, and I love how you talked about, it's not just the center emotion, but the satellite emotions that go with that. Because when something happens, boy, does it trigger all sorts of sort of complementary emotions to go along with that. So tell us a little bit more about when you're working with someone toward emotional resolution, what does that look like? Well, a session, usually people come to just for main emotion or main dynamic in their life they want to shift. Now, uh, the way that I see things is the emotions that we're aware of, most of the time is a symptom for a lot of fear creeping underneath it. It's a bit like uh, I see the emotion that we are aware of as a second immune system almost. You see uh, when you have uh, a flu, for example, you're having symptoms, the fever. Fever is a big symptom. You're cold, you, your, your skin feels strange and right. uncomfortable, but you're not going to treat the fever. You're going to treat you know, the, the, the actual virus, but right. the infection within you. So a session will be like this, will be the person will come to see us for, let's say, anxiety or, or self-doubt, whatever, whatever it is. We're going to be working on this main emotion, but then through questioning, so through pretty extensive, uh, extensive body of work that we develop, we're going to be able to uh, resolve those 
emotional difficulties that are hidden underneath these quote-unquote symptoms. And hidden emotional difficulties, often in our life, we don't have a label for them. We experience them as tension. Our concept of emotion is very limited as human beings. You know, we have names for them, but we are crossed by emotion, transpersed by emotion all day long. Right. But they feel like tension and they're not quote-unquote strong enough to for us to label them. Anyway, in a session, we'll be working on those big emotions and on this underlying tensions that creates, that really fuel a lot of dynamics in our life, in our relationships, toward ourselves, toward others, etc. So if I'm understanding you correctly, those underlying tensions that sort of are under the radar, we are aware that I am feeling angry or that I'm feeling frustrated or that I am, you know, any number of those, let's say, not feel good emotions. They're, you know, I'm not going to say negative or positive, but they they don't make us feel warm and fuzzy. I'm going to be aware of that emotion, but not necessarily of the underlying tension. And in emotional resolution, you deal with what I'm immediately aware of, but also you help me, do you help me tap into that underlying tension or how is that resolved? Yes, we're going to, there's different way to do it, but through questioning and through other way, we're going to bring this tension up and make it boil session, to the surface feel, almost. That's right. Poof, you're going to feel those sensations. And every time there are those tensions, we're going to resolve. And when I say resolve them, I mean resolve them. That means they will not appear anymore. So even if, if I've done emotional resolution and I get another email from my boss, I'm not likely to spiral into that same experience if I've resolved all that was going on inside of me regarding that. Absolutely correct. And more than that, you will have now the opportunity to learn from the previous experience. When before the stress was too big and you are blocked in your uh, your mindset, you're blocked by the emotional weight, once the emotions are resolved, now you can look at what happened and you can learn from this experience. So at the next meeting, you can be much more uh, um, anchored and grounded and actually uh, be in your quote-unquote power, so to speak. Okay. So what do you know to be true about emotional resolution that sort of impacts whether we grow and thrive as a human being or whether we stay stuck? You know, we, you and I, we talked about that uh, in previous conversation. We, we, when we stay stuck, it's because very fierce. Say that again, in, when we stay stuck, it's because... When we, st- when we stay stuck somewhere in, in our life, in our patterns, it's because there are fears underneath it. Our fears keep us stuck. That's right. And they keep us stuck. And at the same time, um, we feel safe with our fears. We know them. They're part of us. So sometimes we know that we're stuck. We know what we should do to be unstuck. But it feels scary to push. And that's okay. Okay. Uh, so sometimes people are ambivalent about working through their fear because it's almost like a discomfort place that I'm comfortable in. Yeah, correct. It's almost like an abusive relationship. You know, we, right. we, uh, you, you have an abusive relationship with, with, with yourself, but eh, that's the relationship that you know. So uh, who am I without it? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with it? Is it even possible that I can, I can resolve that? And then there's the blame game, you know, uh, Meg, it's, it's easier to blame on uh, our parents or, or, or on our bosses or on our exes 
the way that we feel. And yeah, yeah, I'm sure that we're part of the wounding, no doubt about it. But it is our emotion. Right. Uh, blaming it on somebody is just giving them the power over and over and over, over and again. Over again. Yeah, for a lifetime sometimes. No, 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 no. We feel the emotion. It's our. Now we have the responsibility or the choice to literally change it. And this is not theory. It's in our body. There are physical sensations that make me feel this way. I can resolve it. So some of the the things I want the, the audience to hear is that, first of all, to normalize that we all have emotion and that if your client is feeling it, what do we want to do to not that that you know our audience is not I never want you as a coach to step into a place that you're not trained or that something that is outside of our capacity as a coach. I certainly would say that asking a client where they're feeling the experience, what they're feeling, how might that impact the client if you ask them to physically describe their physical sensations? That's the first step. That's the very first step. Because when uh, you ask a client, okay, where do you feel this anger? Or where do you feel this blockage? Then they're going to become intimate with the blockage. They're going to come out of the emotional reaction of the uh, analyzing of the blaming, self-blame, or they become intimate with what's happening in them. So that's the first step. And I will encourage anybody who is facing a client who is having an emotional resurfacing to ask exactly what you said. Where do you feel that in your body? But stay very pragmatic, very physical. Now, with MRS, we have specific ways to, to recreate emotion. So the emotion is, quote-unquote, properly re-triggered, so we can resolve it. But if the emotion comes in a conversation during a coaching session, yeah, where do you feel that in your body? Right now, with me. And then the key is for the coach to, uh, to interfere as little as possible but to let the client in awareness of the sensation. The sensations are going to start changing in the body. Uh, Something that is important, you know, often we try to make our clients feel better. You know, say, no, it's not like this. No, 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 no. I call that rescuing and not coaching. Yes. Yeah. And as you know, it's counterproductive. Yeah. You've got, you've got to, to get, we've got to get our client to completely accept what's happening with it. Accept it, get in there, be intimate with it, lean into it, lean into it completely. And the sensations are going to change. Now, the key is to not do any kind of coping mechanism. No breathing when the sensations become uncomfortable, not screaming, no, 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 no. You just feel the sensations until they're gone without any interference from the coach or from the person. That's- so you just sit in the emotion. You become aware of the emotion or, or the, the physical sensation. You become aware of it and you just sit with it until it dissipates. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Okay. And, and the, 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 the challenging thing is it's easier said than done. Oh, gosh, yes. We teach, yeah, you know, we're like, oh, just stay it. with it. Yeah. Just stay with it. Like, that's going to feel good. No. Yeah, no, no, that's why we teach uh, MRS to, uh, to coaches and therapists and and other uh, professionals, because the mechanism is simple, but as human beings, we're complex human beings, and we created a, an amazing battery of coping mechanisms and reason and excuses that uh, prevent us to go to the core of the emotion so we can resolve. Okay. So one of the key things that we talked about in our pre-interview 
was the emotion of shame and how mm -hmm. we can, uh, or either we or our clients can feel ashamed of fear. Or and and in actuality, fear is the base emotion for so many of the things that we're dealing with. So, what should we know as coaches as we, you know, think about engaging with people who might be feeling shame about their fearfulness? You know, I, I will uh, I will almost repeat what I just said. If they've got to face their shame, if they feel ashamed, they feel it in their body. Sometimes it's a nausea, even it's tension. It's invite them to move into the shame before you try to resolve the fear, even allow them to move into the shame completely to accept the shame. For Would you me, name it as shame? Only if they do. Only if they do. That's what I thought. I wouldn't. Yeah. So if your yeah. client is identifying that they feel shame, then step into that physical sensation. But as the coach, you don't say, I guess I'm assuming you're feeling ashamed of your fear. Now that's going to just, yeah. that is not a place mm -hmm. we want to go. No, no. I, you know, I don't know much about coaching, but in, in our work with MRS, we never assume, right? We ask, we say something like, what does that say about something like this? It has to come from the client. We're just here to ask questions that triggers uh, emotion or, or, or realization, whatever we want to call them. Mm -hmm. But it's 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 really important, and the client is in autonomous is is autonomous, so to speak. Excellent. And I would just say to the coaches listening, you know, this is a wonderful opportunity to evoke awareness, and this is a wonderful opportunity to use silence and and your presence of being with the client without having to rescue or fix or solve for, which we can't do anyway. So release Agreed. that, coaches. <laughs> release your fear of needing to create value and be there and fix the client because we don't fix our clients. So when mm -hmm. does fear dissipate then, Cedric? Mm -hmm. When when does fear dissipate? Fear dissipates when we can stay, when we can be, I don't like the word stay, when we can weave the sensorial prediction with the physical sensations until the end of the prediction in a safe environment and without impacting the prediction whatsoever. This is how to update an outdated prediction from the brain. Ooh, that sounds so a bit, it, it yeah, sounds, we're going to need an example for that one. That, sound, that sounds brilliant and also a little hard to grasp. So it's actually very simple. Once the emotion is re-triggered in the body, our mm -hmm. body, or in the body of the client, we got to make sure that if it's us, we're in a safe place. Mm -hmm. And how do I know that my body is safe, which is different from, there's a difference between is my body feeling safe and do I know cognitively that, I, that I'm safe? Mm. It doesn't matter if I know cognitively that I'm safe. Uh, uh, a simple example would be somebody who comes to see me for um, arachnophobia, fear of spiders, um, uh, which is uh, phobia. If I teach the person how to do MRS on themselves and they see a spider two meters away on, uh, on, on a wall, they say, okay, I know how to do this. I'm going to try to resolve my phobia. They're going to try to close their eyes and do the resolution. In their mind, they know that the spider is far away. It's not going to jump on them two meters away. Cognitively, yeah. But they will notice when they try to close their eyes to do their resolution, because you have to close your eyes to do a resolution. They're going to feel like they want to look at the spider. They don't <laughs> feel comfortable to look at the spider, to, to keep their eyes closed. When you don't feel comfortable to keep your eyes closed, it's because your body doesn't feel safe. Okay. It's the same thing for any mammal. You know, we learned that working with animals, 
We work with cows and horses to do resolutions, emotional resolutions. Really? Cows and horses. Yeah. Uh, domestic animals is more difficult because we uh, control them too much. But uh, farm animals, it's very durable. And the first sign that you see in any mammal, the first fear sign that you see in any mammal is that they stop blinking. When a horse is afraid, a cow is afraid, a horse is afraid, um, a dog is afraid, they stop blinking. It's the same mechanism for human beings. Interesting. If we cannot close our eyes, or we, of course we can close our eyes, but if we don't feel comfortable to close our eyes, it's because the body doesn't feel safe. You want all your senses, you know, uh, in... Uh, an in, alert. Um, yeah. An alert, that's it, an alert. So uh, to, uh, to go back to the example, if I try to do my, uh, my MRS two meters away from the spider and I, I don't feel comfortable to close my eyes, it's not going to work. I need to accept the room and maybe go uh, close the door. I will still feel the fear, but then I can close my eyes and feel the sensations in my body and do, do, the, do the process. So uh, for us as uh, coaches or practitioners, it's important that the client feels safe wherever, wherever they are. That means that if somebody does a session by Zoom, and they work on an emotion that is triggered maybe by their partners or their children, their body doesn't really feel safe in the house. Right. So sometimes uh, I would ask my clients to be in a place where they feel safe, neutral. Maybe it's in their car, on a parking lot. You mm -hmm. know, it doesn't matter, but the body needs to feel safe. It's very important for the resolution to happen. And then the key is to re-trigger the emotion precisely so that the body regenerates Re, uh, recreate this interoception, physical sensations that are proper to this emotion. And then when the emotion is re-triggered, we reconnect the, the client, we connect the client to the sensations, to several sensations at once, and quote unquote coach the client so they can so they don't do anything. They don't breathe into it, they don't think their way through it, they don't explain what it is about. No, 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 no. All this is preventing the prediction to play out until the end. We let it's important for the client to let the prediction play inside of your body until the end. That doesn't take more than 90 seconds. Okay. It is properly done. At the end of the prediction, the body is anticipating to be hit with some kind of danger. During a session, or if you do it on yourself, at the end of the prediction, you're safe and sound. From that very instant, the prediction is updated. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Forever. So you know, if we, you've got to work through basically sort of the story that you're telling yourself or the, the impact that you're feeling to the place of what you're predicting is going to happen. But then when that doesn't happen, it negates it. Correct. You have to go through the whole sensorial prediction without any kind of impact from the therapist or the coach right? or the client himself. Just sit in it. That's right. That's right. It's I often... Um, Refer it as, you know, the, the hero journey. Most of our life, what do we do? The, if, let's say if we, if we take this, this metaphor of the hero journey uh, and those emotional difficulties are monsters or dragons. Usually, what do we do? We fight our dragons, that's anger and frustration. We avoid our dragons. We hide from them, deny, avoidance, escape, escapism, or we try to control our monsters. That doesn't work. Some of us also try to seduce our monster. These are the people or the over-pleasing people. They try to seduce whatever scares them by being super nice or, or, you know. So we all have our personality there, uh, but that doesn't work. The, the dragons will still reappear, will still chase us. They will find us anyway. No, no. The only way to slay a dragon is to jump inside its mouth. 
to be swallowed by it from the inside, from the stomach, from, from where we feel all these sensations, that's where we slay the dragon. And the dragon doesn't come back. I was about to say, it's stopping any excuses. It's stopping any uh, uh, thinking that, oh, I'm weak because I, fe I feel this way, so I don't want to look at it. No, no, no. All this is irrelevant. It's accepting the way that we feel, the brightness that we have, and our shadows, even the worst shadows, even the one we don't want to look at. So we can feel them completely, shamelessly, surrender to them, and so they can resolve. So when you work with your clients around this, you said so that they're then able to move forward. Does that does this take a long? I mean, because you're saying once they're in it, it's going to resolve. But how long is this emotional resolution? Is it a one session and done kind of thing? Is it? I mean, tell me a little bit mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. your work during a session. The practitioner or the coach, if they know MRS, will do several resolutions. So as we said earlier, like there is a big emotion and then through questioning, through other ways, we're going to find all, or not all maybe, but as many as we can, of this tension, of those hidden fears so we can resolve them. Now, people often work, come to work on dynamics, dynamics around business, around uh, money, around relationships, uh, around uh, quote-unquote healing past trauma. So sometimes several sessions are necessary to clear up this old dynamic or the old problematic. But sometimes one session is enough. So we, we, uh, with MRS, we don't really have uh, long-term recurrent clients. That doesn't exist. People come, they work on something, it's resolved, and sometimes they come back later when something else is into, is into their awareness. So it depends. It depends what we're working on. Some people decide to work on a weekly basis from, with me because they want to go in a lot of areas of their life mm -hmm. and they want to have uh, a, a consistent um, support. Some other people will work one, two or three sessions and then I never see them again. Maybe they will come back again in a year from now. Or it's, it's like this. It's um, a la carte. Okay. And tell us a little bit more about how this ties in with neuroscience and what we know to be true about the way that we work up here. That everything that has everything to do with neuroscience. You know, uh, in the way that uh, I describe uh, emotions are made at the beginning, that's what we know in neuroscience. And for that, I can refer to the work of Lisa Fedman Barrett, how emotions are made, or seven and a half lessons about the brain, uh, all the work of Antonio Damasio. Uh, it's, it's what I described in a nutshell is what is all over the literature. But we took it, and then you take all the uh, spiritual books, right? Who tells you to the power of now, be with it, you know, all this. Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, you can say that Emerson takes all this theory and apply it in a very pragmatic way, very pragmatic way, very primal almost way. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a mix between neuroscience, somatic work, and then uh, a body of work that we, we develop to ask specific questions and to, to encounter those, those, uh, those hidden emotions. Well, and that, that whole concept of using inquiry and, and allowing the client to kind of do that journey on their own is very in, very much in alignment with coaching. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. What have we left on the table? I'm going to put links in the show notes for people to learn more about you and your work and your website and those kinds of things. But what, if anything, did we leave on the table just to I think we're tickling the imagination about this. We're just opening up perspective. And I'm wondering if there's anything important that we haven't haven't offered to the audience. 
maybe then MRS is is uh, is something you can do in in your practice as, as a coach. It's not you don't have to be an MRS practitioner and only do MRS. No, no, it's something that you have in your tools to add to your craft. You know, and also maybe what I like to share is that everybody can do this work. Like we don't, we're not made to walk around with the wounds of our trauma around that that kills us literally. It it sucked out uh, energy from us. It it, it impacts our immune system. It's everybody has a natural capacity to resolve their own emotional difficulties. Sometimes they need a little help. Often they can do it on their own. And so I can only invite people to learn how to do it on their own to, to be autonomous in this process. But I love what you're saying is that you don't have to be a therapist to do this. You, you've got no. a way, a process that can be taught. This could be a tool that coaches add to their toolboxes. To A, increase your own confidence in being able to meet clients where they're at. So when we think about coaching presence, when we think about trust and safety, when we think about the different competencies that we bring forward as coaches, part of that is that we're comfortable A, with our own emotional responses, and B, that we can meet clients where they're at with their strong emotions. What Cedric is saying is, here's a potential tool that you could learn to increase your comfort, not rescuing, not trying to save, because that's probably the, the number one thing I hear when I'm listening to coaching conversations is when client emotion goes up high, the coach wants to fix it. The coach wants it to go away. The coach wants to make it feel better. So they say things like, it's going to be okay. How do you know it's going to be okay? It doesn't, it's not our, it's not our job to fix it. And if I'm feeling a particular thing and my coach tells me it's going to be okay, that might not land well on me because you don't know that it's going to be okay. So for anybody who's interested in adding this tool to your toolbox, I'm going to have links from Cedric in the show notes so that you can explore a little bit more about emotional resolution. Cedric, it was so wonderful to have you on the show and learn about this important work that you're doing. Thank you very much, Meg. It was a pleasure to uh, to be with you. And uh, if I can just add one more thing. about Oh, add said, away. Often when our clients reach a point is because ourselves as a practitioner or as a coach, we are encountering a block. Something in our clients resonates with us and then we are at a loss. That's what self-care when it comes to emotion, like when it comes to anything else, it's so important because often our blockages become the blockages of our clients. So important and so spot on. So thank you so much for bringing that forward. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much to Cedric for bringing your expertise to the show giving us some tools to think about to engage with client emotion without trying to fix or make it go away. So if you'd like more information about Cedric and the work that he does, go to starcoachshow.com slash 346, starcoachshow.com slash 346. My conversation with Cedric continues in the Starcoach member community. And if you're interested in being a part of a dynamic group of coaches, we do the greatest things together. Explore that at, with the link at starcoachshow.com slash 346. 
Next week, I welcome Marsha Clark to the show. Marsha has been an executive and leadership coach for years, and she shares with us entrepreneurial lessons that she has learned from building her business and really being the legend that she is now. So it's so, so good. You've got to come back next week for my talk with Marsha Clark. Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.